church say amen. amen. Romans chapter number 8. Everybody find your Bible, turn to Romans chapter number 8. How many of you forgot to pick up a lesson? Raise your hand. We're passing them out. We've got people going everywhere to and fro and yonder and yon and raise your hand real high. If you need a lesson, raise your hand real high. We want to make sure you get a lesson tonight to follow along with us. Uh, tonight's lesson is on the subject, when the going gets tough. How many of y'all know what it feels like when the going gets tough? Yeah, God knew it was going to be that way. God knew there was going to be hard times way over here, way over here. All right, all right. There you go, all right. Anybody else need a lesson? We want to make sure everybody follows along with us. Anybody else need a lesson? All right. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to get somebody taller, amen? All right. Romans 8 and verse number, how many of y'all still hung over from the week? What a God. What a God. What a meeting. God knew what we need when we need it. And listen, this is, now y'all need to understand, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning of what God's going to do, amen? Romans 8 and verse number 18. If you found your spot, say amen. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, if God didn't expect us to go through some stuff, he wouldn't have put that there. When we get saved, sometimes we have the misconception that once a person is saved and God's on their side, then they won't have no more problems and they won't have no more troubles and it's going to be pie in the sky, by and by and all that. That's not the case. God knew we were going to face difficulty. God knew we were going to face suffering and things that, that it's just going to be difficult for us to go through. But he did say they're not even worthy to be compared with what we're going to see one day. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity. Now the word vanity there in the Old Testament, you know, vanity means empty. But here in this particular portion of Scripture, the Greek word means depravity or wickedness. It says, but by reason, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Amen. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now let us all read in concert tonight. And we know that all things work together for good. Them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's read it again, everybody, real loud. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Father, in Jesus' name, help me tonight. Help my weakness, Lord. Help my inability. Lord, help, help the areas of my life that I don't even know that need helping. God, I pray that you'll speak to us now. God, there's folks going through some difficult times. There's people that are facing things right now. Just got uh, some bad news right before the service. And Lord, we prayed about that situation. And we're going to believe in faith that you're in charge and you know what you're doing. But all across this building, Lord, there's people facing things that they don't know what they're going to do. And they don't know how they're going to get through it. Well, Lord, tonight, tonight, I pray that you'll use your word to reinforce our faith. I pray that you'll use your word to strengthen our resolve to stand strong in the midst of battle. I pray that you'll use your word to encourage us, Lord, to keep on keeping on. And God, will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Suffering. 
suffering. It's not a, it's not a subject you're going to see much on TV. It's not a subject that, 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 that most modern-day preachers are going to talk about. Uh, we want to talk about the good. We want to talk about uh, the things that, that make us feel good and, and all that kind of thing. But Paul knew reality. He knew what real life was about. Uh, we can we can try to we can try to act like that there's no issues. We come to church and we come like everything's okay. We we come to church and 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 we can put on a front and we can put on a mask and and, and we can we can make it like everybody else thinks that we've got it. Uh, you know we've got it exactly the way it needs to go. Our home is exactly the way it needs to be. There's nothing going wrong. There's no issues in our life. There's no problem. But we all know that's not reality. Say amen. That's just not reality. There are times that we're going to have difficulty. There's times that we're going to have things that's going to cause tears to come to our eye. There's times that we're going to face things that's going to cause us to lose sleep at night. There's going to be times that we're going to suffer for Jesus' sake. But Paul said this, and if there was anybody that knew something about suffering for the name of Christ and suffering for the cause of Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. He had gone through so many things and so many issues in his life. And he said, I'm telling you what, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, he said, it cannot even come close to comparing to what it's going to be like when we get to glory. Say amen. Now, several things I want to I talk about tonight. We're going to go through these, we're gonna go through these, uh, these verses uh, little bit by little bit. But I want you to leave encouraged tonight. I want you to leave knowing that God is in control. I want you to leave knowing that, listen, we have a God in heaven who's going to bring us through it all. Amen. Now, look, as we go through the notes, this is what I want you to write down. Take your notes. And, and this is, first of all, number one, I want you to see when the going gets tough is the title. But number one, I want you to see this, the suffering that we face. I want you to write that down. I want you to see the suffering that we face. Verse 18 gives us a declaration that we're going to face difficulty. And we're going to face suffering, the sufferings of this present time. And then he begins to describe, he begins to describe the different suffering that we see. For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So from verses 18 to verses number 22, we find that there is the recipients of suffering. Write that down in your notes. A, the recipients of suffering. He describes two different uh, uh, two different individuals or two different characters, uh, two different things that are going to be found in suffering. First is the creation. The creation is suffering. Not only is the creation suffering, but the Christian is suffering. Uh, we, we find in our life, we find issues. Our world is groaning, if you will. Our world is going through difficulty. Our world is full of turmoil. Our world is full of suffering and hurt and pain. Are y'all with me? Everywhere you turn, there's difficulty. Everywhere you turn, there's heartache. Everywhere you turn, there's problems. And it's not just in the creation, but it's also in the Christian. And listen, the Christian has struggles. The Christian has heartaches. The Christian has issues that they deal with. Every, everywhere in the Bible, we find Christians struggling. Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Romans 8, 23. And not only they talking about creation, but ourselves also talking about the converts or the Christians, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So we see the recipients of suffering. Then B, I want you to see the reason for suffering. The reason for suffering. Why is the creation going through and experiencing what is it experiencing? The turmoil in the Middle East, the, 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 the sin and the debauchery that we find everywhere. The reason for the suffering. Well, when it comes to the creation, we find when God finished his creation, it was a good creation. Everything that he did, everything when he spoke it into existence, he said, and it was what? It was good. 
It was good in the beginning. It was good when he created. But today, it's a groaning creation. There is suffering in death. There is pain. All of which, of course, is the result of Adam's sin. Man, you need to get that. You need to get that. You need to really drive that home in your mind. Because when we face things in this life, and you're going to, how many of you, how many of you, you know, that, that thought in your mind, why does bad stuff happen to good people? Why, why do we experience, why does a saved man get cancer? Why, why does a, a saved couple who are serving God and trying to live right go through so much hell on earth? I got another note from uh, Brother Greg Thrower. Brother Greg Thrower, he seems like to be a modern-day Job. It seems like every time they turn around, something difficult happens in their life, some difficulty they're facing. And now, now they're facing, they found a, a, a spot on their baby's brain, and they're going to have to go to children's hospital. And I'm thinking, are, are you serious? Now, why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's because we're living in a sin filled world even though we are saved even though we are born again we are still living in a cursed atmosphere in a cursed world now please get that please get that because when something bad happens to us the first thing we want to do is blame God First thing, the first thing that happens when, 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 when somebody makes a poor choice, and because of that poor choice, there's consequences that comes with that choice. Why did God let this happen? God had nothing to do with it. Y'all with me? Now listen. Because of Adam's sin, there's death. Because of Adam's sin, there's pain. Because of Adam's sin, there's, there's suffering. Because of Adam's sin, there's disease. It is not the fault of creation. Listen to the words that Paul used to describe the plight of creation. In Romans 8, 18, he used the word suffering. Vanity in Romans 8, 20, which we said meant debauchery or wickedness. Bondage in Romans 8, 21. Decay in Romans 8, 21. Do you realize that, that doctors say the moment a person is born, they begin to die? Everything on this planet decays. A brand new house will crumble. A brand new car one day will rust to the ground. Every single thing on this planet decays. It's in a decaying state. Now, the pain, Romans 8, 22. However, this groaning is not a useless thing. Paul compared it to a woman in travail. There is pain, but the pain will end when the child is delivered. One day creation will be delivered and the groaning creation will become a glorious creation. Say amen. Now, here's the deal. Understand this. No matter, no matter how long we're in this world, we're going to face this stuff. All right? We're going to face disease. We're going to face poverty. We're going to face suffering. We're going to face a decaying culture and society around us. We're going to face difficulty. Are you all with me? Because of Adam's sin. Amen? Now watch. Why, why, why are we suffering? Why is the Christian suffering? Why, why does the Christian in here in verse number, verse number, uh, uh, verse number 23, watch this, verse number 23. And not only they, talking about creation, but ourselves also, we're groaning. We're travailing, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Now, we know the reason for creation suffering and groaning is because of the sin of Adam. But look at, look at the reason for the Christian suffering. The reason we groan is because we have experienced the first fruits of the Spirit. In other words, a foretaste of the glory to come. Just as the nation of Israel tasted the first fruits of Canaan when the spies returned, so we as Christians have tasted of the blessings of heaven through the ministry of the Spirit. This makes us want to see the Lord receive a new body and live with Him and serve Him forever. 
Now, if you were here last night, you got a little taste of glory. Now, I don't know about y'all, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave God's presence. I didn't want to leave what he was doing in, 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 in his manifestation of himself last night. I didn't want to leave being in his presence. I didn't want to leave being around God's people and all together praising him at the same time, singing, oh, how I love Jesus. And, being, and boy, when you get just a little taste of heaven, man, you can't be satisfied with anything else. And the closer you get to God, the more difficult it is to walk in darkness because the more of the light that's in you, the more the darkness bothers you. And I'm telling you, every day in this world, it should make you want to draw closer to God. It should make you want to be with Him even more. Paul said it this way. He said, I have a desire to depart and be with God, which is far better. Are y'all with me? And if we get to where we are comfortable in this world, there's a problem. If we get to where we're more excited about being out there than we are about being in here, then we have a problem. If we get so used to the darkness that the light bothers us when it shines down upon us and we hear the word of God, there is a problem. It should bother us when we see sin in the world. It should bother us when we see what's going on in the world. We need to be close to God because we've done tasted a portion of glory. Say amen. The reason for the Christian suffering, the reason for the world and creation suffering. But then thank God, I want you to see the relief from suffering. I like this part. Even though we have to face difficulty, even though we have to face death, even though we have to face problems and situations and issues. Watch what the Bible says in verse 24. For we are saved by hope. Now this is not, this is not talking about your salvation. Y'all with me? This is not, this is not, because I don't have a hope so salvation. I have a no so salvation. It's not, it's not talking about salvation here. It's talking about we're saved by hope. In other words, we're saved from the difficulty or the suffering. We have, we find relief, if you will, if you want to use that, that type terminology. He said we are relieved or saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, in other words, if, if, if you are trying to get relief by what you see on earth or by what is here, you're not going to have any hope at all. And you're not going to have any help at all. If you're trying to get relief by what you see in the government, if you're trying to get relief by what you see in your bank account, if you're trying to get relief by what the doctors are going to tell you, you're not going to find hope at all. Because the only hope that we're going to have for this suffering world is going to come from another world. I need a witness. It's going to be something that you can't see. Because if you can see it, it's not hope. And if you can see it, it should have helped you already. Say amen. Anyhow. The relief, the relief that we receive in order for us to make it through the suffering of this life is going to come through the hope that we have. In other words, we wait and hope. For we are saved by that hope. This is basically the little translation of Romans 8.24. Now what hope? The blessed hope. Titus calls it the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words... The best is yet to come. The believer does not get frustrated as he sees and experiences suffering and pain in this world because he knows that the temporary suffering will one day give way to eternal glory. The believer does not focus on today's suffering. He looks forward to tomorrow's glory. In other words, we can make it through today's difficulty knowing that tomorrow's glory is going to be better than today's suffering. Are you all with me? When you're a little kid and you got to ride in a cramped up car. When I was little, we had a cramped up car. And, and when you are a little kid, two hours seems like an eternity. You see, I grew up before they had a DVD player in the car. I was born in the wrong time. Y'all know that y'all know how are we there yet? See, they don't have that issue no more. 
But I grew up, cramped up car, and we would go, I remember going to Disney World. Two hours seemed like forever. And it was cramped. It was uncomfortable. It was boring. It was aggravating. But we knew in just a little while we was going to be looking Mickey eye to eye. And there was something about having something to look forward to that helped you endure what you was going through. Everything. Now, ladies and gentlemen, get this. Everything that you're going through right now is temporary. Every trial is temporary. Every problem is temporary. Every situation is temporary. I love the phrase in the Bible, and it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. Amen? So, so preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. We have to get our focus off of the temporary and get our focus on the eternal. Because if we keep our focus on the temporary and the suffering and the difficulty and we forget about what was coming and what's going to be down the line and the glory that's going to be revealed, we're going to fall, we're going to mess up, and we're going we're to be destroyed. But if we can keep our focus on what's to come, we're going to make it. I, I, I copied a story. I put it in the front of your notes there. A man named Victor Frankel. He was a Jewish psychologist, and he discovered this great truth in the midst of a Jewish concentration camp during World War II. While seeking to survive the horror of this imprisonment, Frankel began observing his fellow prisoners in the hope of discovering what coping mechanism would help them endure this horrendous existence. Now, what Frankel discovered was this. Those individuals who could not accept what was happening to them, who could not make their present suffering fit with their faith, who could not find its meaning in their worldview, they despaired, lost hope, and eventually gave up and died. But those individuals that could find the meaning from their faith were then able to find hope for a future beyond their present suffering and so could accept that what they were enduring as a part of their existence and they survived. If you think that what you're facing and what you're going through is all there is to anything, you're not going to make it. But if you know what you are facing is temporary, if you know what you are going through is temporal, and one day there's going to be a greater glory, one day you're going to come out of that situation, one day, are y'all with me? I read a story. I read a story. I, I, I didn't even think about it until just now. I read a story. Of, of scientists that were doing experiments on mice. And they would leave, they would leave uh, a mouse in, a, in, in water where it had to tread water. And, and, and this, this mouse that they, they, they put in water, uh, when, when they just left it to itself and just observed it and watched it, in just a matter of time, it died. It gave up and drowned. But then they would take... They would take mice, and periodically they would take it out and then put it back in. And then they would leave it longer. They would take it out, and they would put it back in. And then they would leave it longer. And they found out this, that they could leave that mouse in that water for an extended period of time, way past the time that the one mouse died, because that mouse had an idea, if I just keep going, they're going to take me out of here. But the first one had no hope of getting out. And it gave up and drowned. Are y'all getting where I'm going? Don't ever let the devil tell you this is all there's going to be. Don't ever let the devil creep up in your head and say this is it. 
This is all you can hope for. This is all you can expect. This is as good as it's going to get because the devil is a lie. Church, say amen. Now watch. Now watch. Man, this gets better. This gets better. Not only do we see the suffering we face, but I want you to see number two. I want you to see the support that we find. I'm glad God's not going to allow us to go through something that he's not going to give us the ability to get through. Amen? I want you to see the, the, the support that we find. We need to have that hope. We need to have that hope and that knowledge that it's going to be better. That we're going to make it. We're going to come through this. And what's on the other side is, is going to, is, it can't even be compared to what we're experiencing and facing. But then he says this in verse 26. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. How does he help our infirmities? For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now I want you to, I want you to look over to verse, verse number 34. Verse 34, look in your notes right there, or excuse me, in your, in your Bible, or they may have it up here. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh, help me, who maketh intercession for us. Now let's go back to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. How does he do it? For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now I want you to see this. What, what support do we find to face the suffering that's going to be in our life? What support do we find to help us get through the trials of life? What support do we find to help us get through the valley? Are you all with me? First... First, we see this. We find divine intercession. Divine intercession in two different ways. And the word intercession means this, prayer, petition, or an entreaty in favor of another. In other words, in other words, if I was interceding for Miss Sue, then I'm going to God and pray to God on Miss Sue's behalf. In other words, I am interceding for her. I am, I am going to God on the behalf of somebody else. Now, here's the deal. What we just read is that God the Son and God the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, they both have a ministry of intercession for you and me. Now, it's one thing for you to pray for me, but it's another thing for Jesus to pray for me. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but he knows how to pray. Amen? Listen, we see the Spirit's intercession. We see the Savior's intercession. Now, here's the deal. You say, why, is this, why does this mean anything? Because when you're in your midnight hour, somebody's praying for you. When you're going through the valley, somebody's praying for you. When you're facing that hardship, somebody's praying for you. Before you ever make it to the doctor's office and get that bad report, somebody's praying for you. Hallelujah. Listen, today the Holy Spirit feels the burden of our weaknesses and suffering. The Spirit prays for us so that we might be led into the will of God. We do not always know God's will. We do not always know how to pray. But the Spirit intercedes so that we might live in the will of God in spite of suffering. The Spirit shares our burdens. He knows what to pray when we don't. How many of y'all been to that place where, listen, you, you, you try to pray, but you couldn't do anything but weep? You didn't even know what to say. You didn't even know what to ask for. Last night. I got to be honest with you. I wish I could say I was spiritual enough where I had all that planned, but but I was scared to death. I knew God was doing something. I knew God was moving in a different way, and I didn't really I didn't really know what to do. And I was praying into my, to myself, and I'm praying, God, what do we do? 
God, what, what am I going to do? What, what do you want me to do? Because I know what I got planned is not what you have planned. And boy, I just prayed and I said, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. And the whole time, the Spirit was praying for me. And the Spirit's praying for you. The Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. And the Spirit knows the will of God for your life. And He's asking God for the will of God even when you don't. Intercession. The Spirit's intercession. The, the, listen, uh, Jesus Christ praying. Listen, you remember, remember when, when Jesus was speaking to Peter? And he said, look, Satan has desired to have thee, but I have. I've prayed for you. I'm talking to my Father on your behalf. What support do we find for the suffering? What support do we find for the trial? What support do we find for the difficulty? Divine intercession. But not only that, we find this, divine involvement. I love this one. Divine involvement. Watch what the Bible says in Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. The believer need never faint in time of suffering and trial because he knows that God is at, help me, God is at, and he has a perfect plan. He has a perfect plan. Here's the deal. That word work means to need. In other words, it means to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you work it to make a whole. Y'all with me? You take a little bit of this and you take a little bit of that. Two separate situations, two separate ingredients, two separate things, bring it together to make a whole. The illustration that you can use here is that of a pharmacist. Do you realize some of the medications some of y'all take right now, that if you was to split up the ingredients and you was to take the ingredients by itself, it's poison and would kill you? But when the pharmacist takes that little bit that would kill you and he mixes it with a little bit of this and a little bit of that and he takes a little bit over here and he brings it into that little bowl and he begins to make the concoction. And it brings healing till you're hurting what's the point for we know that all so I'd have to put in there bad things good things sad things happy things things that you do to yourself things that other people do to you. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery and was going to kill him. When it was all said and done, Joseph came back to him and said, boys, don't sweat it. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What happened? God took a little evil that they tried, and he brought another plan into the situation, and he began to work it. When it was all said and done, it was good. Some of y'all made some poor choices in your life. Let me change that. That's way too good. You made some stupid choices in your life. So how do you know? Because I made some myself. But you know what God has the ability to do? Well, I don't know how God could any good any, any good out of this. Try him. I have a feeling if he can take no ingredients and speak something out of nothing, he can take your messed up something and make something great out of it. Amen. 
What's the point? The point is this. He's always at work. Even when we're making bad choices, he's always at work. And he's got a purpose. He's got a purpose for what he's working. Y'all with me? Two things he's going to accomplish. Two things he's after. Two things he's looking for. All right? And he's going he's to accomplish in your life. Two things. Your good and his glory. Say that with me. Our and his glory. Say it with me. Our and his glory. Well, that means I can just do whatever I want to do. Let me just let me just warn you. Let me just help you with something before you get crazy on me. With every choice, there's a consequence. And with those consequences come pain. Amen? That's why, that's why the Bible says that we are to apply the rod. Because the Bible says a child is born with foolishness bound in his heart. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. What do we want that child to do? Associate poor choices with pain. It's not about, I, I had somebody tell me, uh, well, I tell you what, I don't, I don't, it doesn't even make sense to spank a child for hitting a child. Well, you got to understand, you're not spanking the child for hitting the child. You're spanking the child for disobeying your order. And they need to associate disobedience with pain. They need to understand when they make a poor choice, then it will bring harm. But when they make a right choice, it will bring blessing in their life. Because when they get older, they need to understand every poor choice they make has great consequences to it. Are y'all with me? So don't just go say, we can just go do whatever because God's going to make good out of it. Because you're going to, we don't even have time to talk about that. But I will tell you this, if you're here today and you're trying to do right and you're worried about what happened back then, forget about it. God's at work. How do I know if God's not through with me? You'll know when God's through with you when you're looking at him. Until then, he's not through with you. Amen? Aren't you glad God's still working on us? Divine involvement. All things work together for good. God is after our good and his glory. Our good and his glory. Our good and his glory. Now, why am I, why am I doing that? Because you've got to understand, when you're at that time when you've got tears dripping off your face, you've got to know he's after our good. Sometimes when you go to the doctor and you got to face that shot or you got to face that surgery or you got to face that thing that's very painful, knowing that this is for my benefit kind of helps you get through it. Are you all with me? So no matter what you face, keep in your mind, this is going to be good. God's got my good in mind. God's got my best interest at heart. It's for my good and his glory now ultimately he will make us like jesus christ best of all best of all god's plan is going to succeed it started in eternity past when he chose us in christ he predetermined that one day we'd be like his son what is god working all this stuff out to be just like his son verse 29 what is his purpose we said God's working the good and the bad in our life and the happy and the sad in our life. He's working everything for his purpose. What is his purpose? Verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate to be conformed. Say that with me. To be to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What, what, what does that mean? Every situation that you go through in your life, God is trying to make you more like his son. If you are an unforgiving sort, God's going to put people in situations in your life where you're going to have to forgive somebody. You're going to keep facing it over and over and over and over again until you learn to forgive, till you learn to have a forgiving spirit. 
If you have a spirit of anger all the time, God's going to allow you to go through situations till you learn to be meek. Why? He wants you to be like his son. I don't like them tests. Start passing them. <laughs> Quickest way to not have to take them no more is pass them. Amen? And you know what I found out in my life? How to pass them? Quit being so stubborn. Because, see, every, every test I've ever taken, right before I took it, God says, you got a choice to make. Because the Holy, Holy Ghost will come in your mind, and he'll say, okay, which way are you going? Are you going to be obedient and submissive to me this time, or are you going to be your hard-headed self again? How many of y'all know I'm telling the truth? So what determines whether or not you take the test again is determined by your stubbornness and your will. And when you learn to surrender every part of your life to him, the less it's going to hurt and the easier it's going to be. When we quit fighting him and start working with him, are y'all with me? I had a, I had a, a time in my life when I was really, 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 really bad sick. I mean bad sick. I went to a doctor who, who had such a strong accent. It was, it was, and I don't know whether it was just worse to me because I was so sick or what, but he was trying to tell me, he was trying to tell me to relax because he was fixing to give me a shot. I'm talking about one of them goodest. Are y'all with me? And, uh, uh, and, and he would... <laughs> He was trying to tell me to breathe normally. He's coming at me with a, something that's going to stick me, and he wants me to breathe normally. I can't hardly understand him. I mean, I mean, we want me to be. We want me to be. I, what does that mean? You know, I'm thinking, and my dad's sitting there, and I'm like, I'm just, and I'm, I'm so tense. I'm telling you, I'm just thinking, and, and, and that scoundrel stuck me, and I was just so tense, and I jumped, and he said, no, no, and he had to do it again. And, and, he, and he, he was trying to help me understand, if you'll just relax, it will be a whole lot easier. I didn't relax, amen. Point being, if we'll start learning to surrender to God in those areas of our life that he's trying to work on, we'll get through it a whole lot easier. But the more we fight it, the more we're going to have to go through it, and the harder it will be on us. Because the one thing I've learned about God, he's pretty persistent. As long as you belong to him, he's going to keep doing it until you pass the test. There's no failing. You don't get kicked out of school. Do y'all get that? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as practical and, and, and as clear as possible right here because you got to understand, he's not going to quit messing with you. If you are saved, he is going to keep bringing you and cutting on you and adding to you and doing stuff in your life and bringing situations in your life till he gets you where he wants you to be. Well, I'm just not going to go with it. Yeah. Roll with that, amen? Because he's not going to quit because you belong to him. You cost too much. Here's a cool example. Uh, Jeremy, you're in the house. Is Jer uh, Jeremy, isn't it funny how much time certain coon hunters spent with dogs that they know is not worth anything because they spent a whole bunch of money on them? They went, instead of trying it out, they went on somebody's word, and they spent an uh, awful lot of money on one, and they just keep hunting, and, keep, and it don't get no better. But they ain't going to quit on it because they done paid too much for it. Here's the point. Jesus paid way too much for you to give up on you. Amen? Listen, the support we find in our life to face the trials we're going to face is coming from uh, the Holy Spirit and the Savior who is praying for us, interceding for us. There's divine intercession. 
but there's also divine involvement. God is actively involved in my life, taking every situation in my life that I face, that I go through, uh, things that take and happen to me, and he's involved in forming it and making it good for my life and bringing glory to himself and good to me and helping me become more like his son. Number three, number three. What was number one? Tell me number one back. Y'all pay real good attention, I can tell. Number one, we see the. All right, number two, we find the. All right, now don't you see number three, the security that we feel. The security that we feel. I like verse 31. I think it's probably my favorite one out of the whole chapter. What shall we say to these things? What things? These hard things we're facing. These things that make us cry. These things that hurt. These things that we want to forget about and we want to avoid. What what do we say to these things? Read it with me. If God be for us, who can be against us? Say it again. Say it till you believe it. Now watch this. Watch this. Two things, two things I want you to see in this point, in the security that we feel. Where, where are we going to find security and where are we going to feel security from? First, we see the ministry of the sovereign. So far, we've got a lot of elements of the person of God working for us. The Holy Ghost is working for us. The Son of God's working for us. Now we find God the Father working for us. Say, say what is he doing? What is his ministry? First, first number one. We find God's favor. God's favor. The Father is for us. Now now think about that a minute. I mean, just, just, just meditate that on a minute. Every day of your life, when you get up in the morning, God's for you. Isn't it great when you have somebody that's a friend that comes and says, man, I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm for you. You have their approval. You have their support. You have, listen, you have their love. They say, I'm for you. I'm for you. Well, God in heaven, think about it. Not just anybody. The creator of all that we know exists is for you. He is for your survival. He is for your happiness. He is for your prosperity. He is, are are y'all asleep tonight or what? Does anybody get what I'm saying? God is for you. Now, if I want anybody to be on my side, I want it to be God. Amen? The Father's for us, and he proved it by giving us his Son. God is making all things work for us. He's not only for us, but he's making things to work for us. In his person, in his providence, God is for us. Sometimes we feel like all things are against us, but when we actually, everything's working for us. The conclusion is obvious. If God be for us, who can be against us? The believer needs to enter each day realizing that God's for him. There's no need to fear, for his loving father desires only the best for his children, even if he must go through trials to receive his best. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, I got great plans for you. Now here's the deal. I, I have a good idea. I have a good idea that when Joseph was sitting in the pit, he, he, he really didn't appreciate what was going on. I believe he was scared. I believe he was afraid. I believe that uh, he was probably angry at his brothers. I believe when they put the shackles on him and tied him behind that cart, and now he is being hauled off to Egypt, and he's looking at it, and his brothers are getting smaller and smaller, and they just sold him into slavery. Can you imagine how he felt? Can you imagine how broken his heart was? 
Can you imagine the fear that gripped him because he's going to a foreign country not knowing what in the world he's going to be facing when he gets there? Then he gets there, and it seems like things start to turn around a little bit for him. He gets a job. He is here as a slave, but, but he's not just any slave because he gets to be the head slave, and, and, and he gets the favor of, of Potiphar. And, and now maybe things are looking up for him a little bit, and, and, and it's not so bad because I've got the favor of the man of the house, and, and now this woman lies on him, and he gets thrown into prison. For, for, for not doing anything and, and actually doing the right thing and keeping his character? Really, God? He's sitting in prison and God elevates him again. Now he's head over all the prisoners. He is there and he gets the favor of the head prisoner or the head, head warden, if you will. And, and, and now he is here helping two guys. He, 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 he uh, uh, deciphers their dream and, and interprets their dream for them. And this is what he said. And this is where I can really see his humanity and understand his heart. He said, please tell somebody about me. Get me out of here. And time goes by again. Years go by again. And i gotta, I got to believe that he just couldn't understand seemed to go bad to worse and to top it all off in the beginning of this whole journey God had given him a dream that was wonderful why would God tease me with that tease me with heaven knowing I'm going to go through hell and then it happened the dream that God gave him comes to fruition. He's on the throne. And his brothers come through everything, and it clicks. Matter of fact, God had to remind him of the dream. And at that point, I needed all that to get here. And he told his brothers, fear not. You meant it for evil, but God was working it. God meant it for good. And I'm saying this, I'm saying this for this purpose. Joseph did not have the privilege of reading another story about a young man who went through hell to get to heaven. You do. Joseph did not have the privilege of having the word of God in such a way, in such a fashion, being taught to him and preached to him to let him know that, hey, God's going to bring you through this. God's got a plan for your situation. God's got a plan for your suffering. God's got a plan for your trial. Everything you're going through, God's working it, and he's got your best interest at heart, and God's got a purpose for your life. And, boy, when it's all said and done, it's going to be wonderful. It's not even going to be compared. I'm talking about the glory that you're going to experience is not even going to come close to be compared with what the suffering that you go through. We didn't have all that. But we do. So just know this. In the midst of your trial, just keep telling yourself, God's working it. You're not going to feel like it. You're not going to want to. But you've got a blessing that Joseph didn't have. And that's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and the scriptures on the outside of you. And you've got the Spirit in heaven praying for you. And the Savior, the Advocate, Jesus Christ praying for you. Somebody say amen. amen. And he's working it. God is for you. He wants the best for you. Listen. Then we find, not only do we have God's favor. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In verse 33, who shall lay anything at the charge of God's elect? It is God that what? Justifies. Not only do we have security because of God's favor, we have security because of God's forgiveness. Write that down. God's forgiveness. He has declared us righteous. That's what justified means. Just if I'd never sinned. God just put it on your account, stamped it, 
He stamped it on your, your folder, your record in heaven. You are stamped holy and righteous. Just as if you'd never sinned. God did that for you. Now Satan would like to accuse us, but we stand righteous in Jesus Christ. God will certainly not accuse us since it is he who has justified us. Understanding the meaning of justification brings peace to our heart. When God declares the believing sinner righteous in Christ, that declaration never changed. Say amen right there. Our Christian experience changes from day to day, but justification never changes. We may accuse ourselves, and men may accuse us, but God will never take us to court and accuse us. Jesus has already paid the penalty, and we are secure in him. Say amen. All right, quickly. We see the ministry of the sovereign, God the Father. Now let's look at the ministry of the Son. The ministry of the Son, Jesus Christ. Watch what it says in verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? Who is he that condemneth? It's a question. You see the question mark? Who's going to condemn you? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. In other words, when somebody comes and tries to remind you of your past, there's, there's Jesus Christ standing before the Father that's on making intercession and the advocate for you, the representative in heaven for you. We see what is the ministry of the Son. First, write this down. The ministry of the Son. We see first, number one, we see His living for us. His living for us. Say, so what do you mean by that? We always talk about him dying for us. He died for us on the cross. But do you understand he's living for you right now? He is beside the throne in heaven, interceding on your behalf. He is living and going to God. Every time the devil comes and accuses you, he stands up and says, wait a minute, I represent him. He's living for us. A dual intercession keeps the believer secure in Christ. The Spirit intercedes, we've already talked about that, and the Son of God intercedes. The same Savior who died for us is now interceding for us in heaven. Now, as our high priest, he can give us the grace we need to overcome temptation and defeat the enemy. Now, as our advocate, our lawyer, if you will, he can forgive our sins and restore us our fellowship with God. Intercession means that Jesus Christ represents us before the throne of God, and we do not have to represent ourselves. I was, I was one of the first times I went to court. I was in, I was in Judge Cheney's uh, uh, courtroom. Dude scared me slammed to death. I've just got to tell you. He, he looked, when he come out that courtroom, he come out that door with that black robe on, he looked like he was 17 and a half foot tall. I ain't lying. And man, I'm telling you, it was most intimidating. I'd never been to court in my life, ever in my life. And, 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 and I went on behalf of somebody else, and, 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 and I don't know what that's all about, but anyhow, they, and, and, and went in there. And he started calling out names, or the, 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 the bailiff, whoever does that, would call out names of whoever had to stand before him. And, and one of the first ones that they called, they called out a name, and this sharp-looking guy with a sharp-looking suit on and a briefcase and sharp-looking shoes stepped up and come up and said, Sir, my name is such and such, and I'm here to represent. And boy, God brought this back to my mind. When the prosecuting attorney, the devil, comes before the judge, God the Father, and says, hey, I'm, I'm accusing Malcolm Carter of such and such. There's one that stands up on my behalf. And he says, I am here to represent Malcolm Carter. And when the devil says his sin requires this payment, he said it was paid in full on Calvary. Yeah. Amen. Now listen. Paul kind of hinted to this ministry in Romans 5, 9, when he said we are not only saved by his death, but we are also saved by his life. It says in, in, in Hebrews 7, 25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Peter sinned against the Lord, but he was forgiven and restored to fellowship because of Jesus. The Bible says, when the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have thee, he may sift you as wheat, but I have what? I prayed for you, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He is interceding for each of us a ministry that assures that we are secure. 
So we find the ministry of the Son, he's living for it. All right? Now, not only do we see the ministries there, but number two, I want you to see his living for us. Number two, I want you to see his love for us. What's working on our behalf? What helps us to feel secure? His love for us. The Bible says in verse number 35, verse number 35, who shall separate us from what? Help me now. Who shall separate us from the the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? You know all the things that cause us suffering in our life? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, when we're serving him and we're suffering for his namesake. Nay, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Through him that, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Romans 8, 31 through 34, Paul proved that God cannot fail us. But is it possible that we can fail him? Suppose some great trial or temptation comes and we fail. In other words, say we do something stupid. Say we mess up. By the way, if you hadn't yet, don't be too critical of those who've done because you've got potential. We all got potential. But say we do, then what? Paul deals with this problem in the final section and explains that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. To begin with, now here's, you got to get this, guys. God does not shelter us from the difficulties of life because we need them for our spiritual growth. Now say that with me. We need them for our spiritual growth. Say it again. I told you this illustration before. Uh, Let me say it real quick. The butterfly. A researcher was, was, was studying the butterfly in the cocoon. And that, that butterfly has to struggle and struggle and struggle and fight and fight and fight to get out of that covering and fight its way out of that cocoon. So a researcher took and split the cocoon so the butterfly could just come out. And in just a few moments, the butterfly died because it didn't have any strength to fly because it was through the struggle of getting out of the cocoon getting out of the darkness that gave the butterfly the strength in its wings and everything that it needed to survive what was on the outside. Now, when you get saved, God's not going to remove every difficulty and God's not going to remove the things that causes you to struggle because it's through those struggles that we find the strength that we need to be the soldiers of Christ. Amen? God permits trials to come that we might use them for our good, and his glory. We endure trials for his sake. And since we do, you think that he will desert us? Of course not. Instead, he's closer to us when we go through the difficulties of life. Furthermore, he gives us the power to conquer. He says we're more than conquerors. Literally, we're super conquerors. Amen right there. He gives us victory and more victory. We need not fear life or death, things present or things to come, because Jesus Christ loved us and gave uh, gives us the victory. This is not a promise. This is what, now get this right here. You ought to underline this. This is not a promise with conditions attached. If you do this, then God will do that. That's not what it says. This security in Christ is an established fact, and we can claim it for ourselves because we are in Christ. Nothing can separate you from his love. Believe it and rejoice in it. If God be for us, who can be against us? And I can say this, not only who could be against us, but what could be against us? Amen? Now listen, make sure, make sure that you get your, get your 
uh, devotional. Uh, we've got a bunch more out there. We printed up a bunch more. So if you didn't get it or you lost yours, this is the new one. And it's going to lead right up into Sunday. I'm telling you, Sunday is going to be off the chain. You want to be here. You want to be here. How many of y'all found areas during the meeting of revival, areas that, that, that God wants you to work on in your life? Man, I did too. I did too. Well, let's do that. Let's commit to it. Let's commit to it. God's doing a great work in temple, and we're going to turn the world upside down. Amen? Father, help us now. Help us now to get through the trials. Help us to trust your word. Help us to apply it to our life in such a way that we can get through the heartache. We can get through the, the fire. Lord, we can get through the valley. Lord, help us when the going gets tough to trust in you. Not, Lord, it's not about the tough getting going. It's about the, those that are going through it trusting in the one that can help them make it. And God, I pray that your will be done. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. All right. Hey, before you leave, before you leave, uh, we, we had Annette Gomer come tonight and uh, 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 rededicated her life to God. Let's give praise and glory right there. Amen. <laughs> then, then we had Jennifer and Jeremy Mathis come before the service. And uh, they wanted to move last night, but in a crowd that size, I know how hard that is to do. But they come early tonight in the foyer before church started, and they trusted Christ, both of them, as their Savior. Jennifer and Jeremy Mathis. Isn't that great? Woo! That's what I call revival. Amen? Everybody go get your kids and go home. Good night.